Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Out of the shotgun, pump fake, wide receiver screen, juice, right side, got a cut at the 10. He's on his feet, the five, and it's the end zone. Touchdown, Carolina. <laughs> Touchdown, Juice Wells from 17 <laughs> yards out. And Sanford Stadium goes quiet. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Wes and Chris along with you on this Reaction Monday. That, of course, was Todd Ellis on the call for the Gamecocks Radio Network as South Carolina drove down the field and got the opening touchdown for Saturday's game. They eventually went on to a 14-3 lead at halftime. Unfortunately, and I brought up this to Colin earlier, I hate to use the cliche, it was a tale of two halves. But that's truly the story of Saturday. South Carolina looking unstoppable in the first half. Unfortunately, Georgia coming out strong in the locker room, outscoring them 21 to nothing in the second half before picking up the 24 to 14 victory. And I don't like to be moral victory guy or silver linings guy, but you <laughs> should feel pretty good at least coming away from Saturday from what we saw from South Carolina. Yeah, I think there's there's two sides to this coin. You know, one side being you had a chance to beat the number one team in the country. And anytime you put yourself in those opportunities, you want to take advantage of it and, and go do it. You know, sometimes, look, you know, we talked all week last week about last year's game. You were never even really in that game. So when you have a chance to do something special and pull it off, you want to take advantage of it. The other side is that, yes, you showed you can compete. You went in there. You know, I think most Gamecock fans going into the game would have said, hey, man, if we just go to Athens and compete, I'm going to be feeling good. But nobody really, when they say that, starts to think, well, if I'm in that spot, am I really going to feel good about it? And obviously, in this case, I don't think you do if you're a Gamecock fan. I think you wanted to get the win. 
However, the other side of that is you look at kind of the next step. You look at these final, you know, nine games and you say every single game is on the table. Every single game is winnable. Every single game is losable. And it, it really is going to depend on how well you play and, and how well you continue to show progress as a football team. Yeah, I mean, going in, I think if you told any game, obviously everybody wants to win the game, right? But especially with this one, on the road, with what you've seen so far this season, with what you know, you know, there's some questions about Georgia, right? But it's still Georgia. They're still the two-time national champion back-to-back. They're still, uh, you know, absolutely loaded with talent despite some questions. You knew it was going to be a very difficult game to win. And so if you told, I think, any South Carolina fan, and if you – if you said otherwise, if your expectation was, hey, no, I expected us to go win the game, hit us up on the Fire subs text line, let us know. But most Gamecock fans of you have said, hey, what about a very competitive fourth quarter game that's a 10-point loss? Most people would have said, okay, I get that. That's progress. Because, look again, look at the last three years. This has been not even close. I think past 41. Two, yeah, I think. Outscored 88 to 20 in the past yeah, two seasons there you alone. Go. Tw- tw- I knew I could count on you, Tyler. 29, <laughs> 27, and 41, I yeah. think, were the, were the point margins there. So I think what happened in the game, because of the way it played out, you are winning at halftime. You are, at, it was not a fluke. West pointed this out on social the day of the game. It was not a fluke. You just outplayed them. And that created a hope and a belief. And even this feeling of when you get into the second half that you should win that game. Heck, I, I think it's not a crazy point. You could certainly argue it, and Shane Beamer argued it Saturday and Sunday. Um, Spencer Rattler said it on Saturday. You could make the point that they should have won that game, mm-hmm. right? And so at that point, I think for some fans, it becomes maybe a little bit more frustrating even because you, you did have them on the ropes. You were winning that game in the first half. And anytime you lose a game, there's always kind of the autopsy, right, of, of why did this happen. And as you said, Tyler, tale of two halves. So now people are working on dissecting, okay, well, what changed from the first to second half? Yeah, and I, I think, so re-watching the game, it kind of felt to me like, all right, yeah, tale of two halves in the results on the field, but... Also, on the other side, I thought this was the latest perfect example of how all the little things are huge, massive things in football. Like, the actual kind of down-to-down of both halves were not really that different when you rewatch the game. It's first half, Georgia Georgia's drove the ball most of the game, mm-hmm. even in the first half. But, um, you know, they, they miss a field goal early on, a chip shot. They uh, they miss on a flea flicker down the field that's open, and they just miss it. And so, you know, I, I thought in the first half, kind of all the plays that were kind of in the margin, kind of all the plays that were up for grabs, South Carolina made most of those plays. You go into the second half, it's Georgia who made those plays where South Carolina, uh, you know, taking a sack when they're in field goal range, um, you know, giving up. It, it felt like Georgia's – four- and five-yard runs started to become seven- and eight-yard runs in the second half. You go back and look, my thought watching the game live was, wow, South Carolina, this is at the half, South Carolina protected Spencer Rattler pretty well in the half. Rewatching it, 
it was actually more like down to the milliseconds. Like, first half, Rattler get, was able to get the ball out, like, just right before the rush gets there. As the game wears on, as Georgia starts to pin their ears back a little bit more, knowing South Carolina needs to throw, those rushers either got home or Car- Carolina has to turn them. You know, you can say, ah, too many penalties. Well, a lot of those penalties were direct result of Georgia's pass rush. So it's not a penalty like it's an unforced penalty a lot of times. It's a penalty that goes back to not being able to actually consistently protect the passer. So to me, both halves weren't really that different. It was just Georgia executed that step better in the second half or South Carolina came out, executed a step better in the first half and and just looked down to play. They were not intimidated at all by Georgia, which is a credit to them and the staff. But then I thought second half was a credit to Georgia just being like, hey, man, we're not panicking. We're Georgia. We're talented. We're the number one team. It felt to me like some of those games you watch Dawn Staley's women's basketball team where first half the other team, you know, gives them their best shot. And then they're just kind of like, well, yeah, we don't really have to adjust that much. We're just going to execute better. And I think it goes back to the point that I was making of – People are always in search of a reason for something happening, right? So, you know, it can't just be that Georgia started Georgiaing. You know, like they just started doing some things, and South Carolina, some of those plays, like you said, West started going against them. And, and you know, that tackle that you were able to just get somebody on the ground in the first half, you're wearing down. Debo Williams, 80 snaps, right, in this game. You're starting to wear down a little bit. Now that's a seven-yard, or it's a – it's a 10-yard run, right? Um, we saw uh, Daywan Edwards, he he started making a lot more plays in that second half, too, running the football, as did Dylan Bell. And then uh, Cash Jones had the touchdown run. They were able to get themselves in some manageable downs and distances. So I think what I've seen a lot of, and it's okay, I'm not bashing it, there's been a lot of analysis of, well, what, obviously something had to change about the schemes. And were there some adjustments that Georgia made? Sure. Um, Were there some adjustments South Carolina made? Sure. I think, I tend to think what happened is Georgia, their advantage on the line of scrimmage was amplified, accentuated in that second half, particularly with, you know, the offensive line getting some more push and the back starting to wear things down the defensive line, knowing that South Carolina couldn't run the football effectively, they were able to tee off and they were able to get a little bit more pressure. And I've talked with some coaches around high school and college football, actually, since the game. And really what I've found, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but most of these coaches, when I've asked them what changed in the result, they haven't really gone to scheme. They have gone toward... Something like I just said, like Georgia just teeing off and making some things happen. Guys, the run game was a huge difference in the second half for Georgia. They had 118 yards after contact in total in the game. I haven't broken it down from first to second half, but just your eyes show you. A lot of that was in the second half. Uh, Daywan Edwards forced six missed tackles, and he had three runs of 10 yards or more. Right, so... They were moving the chains. They were getting in some favorable downs and distances. They were able to create a couple explosive passing plays. And for the Gamecocks, the mistakes piled up. I mean, look, Wes, you talked about the penalties. A lot of those credit Georgia for them. There were some unforced things too, right? I mean, you had 
as great as Spencer Rattler played, there are a couple throws he'd love to have back, a couple short arms, one to Trey Knox, one to Omega Blake that, that were right at the sticks or after the sticks. You got a drop from Trey Knox, Luke Doty, a high ball to him that, you know, would have been a very, very good catch, but just small plays like that that you have to make to win a game like this. I, I think all those plays we're talking about, um, and, and I, I thought the short arm, you saw the short arm to Omega Blake, Rattler instantly put his hands on his yeah. helmet. He knew he missed one. That's a throw that kind of, you know, any other quarterback misses that throw, you're kind of like, or most quarterbacks miss that throw, you're kind of like, well, that was a kind of a tough throw. Um, he's go- running away from a defender. He's throwing across his body. Um, you know, he was kind of having to do that all game long. But that's a throw he makes, and I think he knew, dang, that's a throw I make. So, um, point being, that's a play, if this is a game where South Carolina's just like the favorite or they're, you know, they win by two touchdowns, none of us are even talking about that play whatsoever. But, you know, you had some drops along the way. You had some penalties, again, that some of them are forced. But, uh, you know, I, I I think of games like this, I think of sequences. Mm-hmm. And these games often come down to uh, not just plays, but to sequences of plays. And so, you know, Georgia – Scores coming out of the half, kind of, they started the half much like South Carolina started the first half and went right down the field and scored. Then South Carolina gets penalized on the um, ensuing kickoff for, I believe it was a hole, might have been a block in the back, either way. it's a. It's it, a was, it was an ill-advised return as well. They probably could have let that one go. Yeah, so they, a, they yep. get penalized on that, yeah. backed up, yep, and they go three and out. Then they have a uh, less than ideal punt. So you look at like that whole sequence, it just felt like the momentum completely turned. Then shortly after that, it felt like South Carolina had kind of regained a little bit of momentum. They were moving the ball, found some rhythm on offense, and then that was when the the, the big third down sack happened. So, right. yeah. We'll continue to break this down here, a little bit of what Spencer Rattler had to say after the game on Saturday. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. It's Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. One. I'll touch my V-neck sweater. One and two and a one, two, three. We just shot ourselves in the foot. I mean... I mean, I mean, we had 11 penalties, I believe. Um, you know, just shot ourselves in the foot, false starts, um, you know, wrong formations, just little stuff like that. You know, we know we need to clean up, but, man, I'm proud of his help. I'm proud of, proud of my guys a lot. I mean, we battled against the best team in the country and should have won the game. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday. That, of course, was the voice of Spencer Rattler. Talking Saturday after the game about shooting themselves in the foot in that second half. When you look at Spencer Rattler's numbers, near perfect once again in the, in the first half of that game, continuing on how he's played through those first two games. Unfortunately, the second half, a little bit of a different story. It does end up throwing two interceptions, as again, as Chris talked about in the last segment there. 
the pressure started getting to him, a couple of ill-advised throws there, but still overall, you love what you're seeing out of Spencer Rattler through these first three games. If he can continue to play the way he's playing, South Carolina's going to have an opportunity to win a lot more games this season. Yeah, he he still just looked in the face of all that pressure he was seeing against Georgia um, in pressure-packed. Like, we were talking uh, last week about how South Carolina needed to create some some like mental and physical pressure on Carson Beck, and I think overall probably didn't do that. But th- there was a lot of that on Spencer Rattler in this game. And despite that, I mean, late in the game when it's when you got to go try to make some plays, he looked super poised. He looked super confident. Um, he just kind of has this a uh, little bit of swagger, a little bit of I'd say quiet confidence about him. And and you look at the two games that South Carolina's lost this year. The offense has obviously not performed the way you would want, particularly when you look at the North Carolina game. You score 17 points in that game. Not the outcome you wanted. The 14 points against Georgia, a little bit more understandable given the level of competition. Point is, he was he was under fire a good bit in both of those games. There wasn't a running game to speak of in both of those games, and he still delivered. He still, I think, really kept you in the game. I think we even saw some upgraded elements from Spencer Rattler in this game, West The way I thought his pocket navigation and his scrambling, uh, I think, I thought it was the best we've seen from him at South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, he was what, the leading rusher? Like, that's... Uh, that, that's not a, a great That's That's thing, a bad but, thing, but a good <laughs> thing. It's a good thing in terms of Rattler, but it's a bad thing in terms of your overall team. You know, and and as we move this conversation into what it means for South Carolina moving forward, I I didn't really go into this game thinking they were going to be able to run it much anyway. Right. So with with that being said, I, obviously you got to run the ball better. However, that wasn't like something I circled. I you know I thought hey they're going to have to throw the ball all over them if they're going to have a chance. They're going to have to do some of these extension of the running game, quick throws to the outside. You know, which they did, and they had quite a bit of success with it early on. I thought Georgia got really aggressive on the outside as the game progressed at, at coming up and trying to attack those things, while also just doing a good job of, of kind of defeating those blocks outside. You know, early on, I, I thought South Carolina made some some nice blocks on the outside. As it went on, Georgia's DBs kind of defeated those and created some negative plays or, or no yardage plays on the outside. You know, I, I thought the loss of Juice Wells, who my my going into the game, Gamecock Central prediction was that this was going to be Juice Wells' breakout game, and I think he was on his way. Yes. And then you just have, you know, the unfortunate, just freaky injury there to his foot. He'll go see a specialist on Tuesday. And so, you know, man, I, I, I did. I, I thought Rattler – Played very well, all things considered. Like we said earlier, you know, he'll he'll want to throw her two back. But, you know, I, I think we've steadily seen him as his game has progressed. I, I think that's been a trend among the three games this year and then the final three games last year is just making those good decisions on when to hang in the pocket, when to get out of there, when to when to run but keep your eyes downfield to throw. And when to just get the heck out of there and, and run. Uh, you know, he had he actually had a nice late run that was called back for a penalty as well. And, man, you know what other play I thought was just 
for one, a great decision and throw that, that got wiped out was that ball he floated to Josh Simon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, beautiful throw, put him on the run, laid it up over the top of the of a defender, and they were already down 10, I'm pretty sure, at that moment. So you, you were in, like, go time. Like, chances of winning, pretty low in that scenario. But I, I thought that was, like, the final backbreaker that that one got called back, you know, as, as far as, you know, you needed some big plays in the passing game. You knew that. And unfortunately, as as the game progressed, it became more and more like what we saw in the second half against North Carolina, where your opponent is just teeing off. You're getting some big plays, but you're not finding enough consistency overall on offense because of your inability to mix in really any semblance of a rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be living against Georgia you, any game, but especially against Georgia, you don't want to be living in second and 10, third and 15, second and 15. Like, that's just not the area you want to be in, and all too often they found themselves there. I mean, one more point on Spencer, too. Um, You know, I think we've learned from the first few weeks that it seems like there's a pretty, you know, fairly high percentage of RPOs in this offense, and he seemed to make some pretty good decisions on those as well. I think the staff is still – you know, trying to find ways, Wes, to get anything out of this running game. Um, RPOs is one way, right? So instead of just running into a loaded box and beating your head against a wall, give your your experienced quarterback an opportunity to take a look at the at you know pre snap and then post snap. Take a look at it and and try to make that decision as to whether or not it's a good one. Um, obviously the run game hasn't been there, and that's had a, a huge effect on this offense. The reality of the situation long-term is that this is something you got to recruit your way out of. I mean, that that's, that's just the reality that you're in. Now, short-term, what can you do? Um, again, I, I'm with you. I didn't go into this game thinking that South Carolina is going to run for 125 yards. I mean, I, I thought it would be under 100, but they didn't get enough to be able to keep Georgia honest and and to prevent getting in those unfavorable situations. Now, fortunately, y- your quarterback is so good, and you've had some success in the downfield passing game this year with your with your receivers and tight ends. You were able to convert some of those opportunities at probably a higher clip than you would think, especially if you take out those penalties, right? But Another thing to consider in this game, Wes, I mean, we know Juice Wells missed after that touchdown. He missed the rest of the game. They didn't have A.B. either. And those are your mm-hmm. two best open field wide receivers with the ball in their hands. It's those two guys. You didn't have either of them. And that, I mean, at some point, all these different things piling up, I mean, that has an effect on your offense. It's going to be tangible against Georgia. I, I thought just the overall depth started to kind of – you know, show itself or, or lack of depth at some spots. Linebacker position, they, they've got to figure out, you know, how to bring more guys along there. And, you know, even some other spots on defense, I, I thought they just kind of wore, wore down as, as the game progressed. And, you know, we, we see this, y'all. Like, I, I know this time of year especially, I mean, you can kind of anticipate it every single season. Hey, where's there, where's this freshman? Where's that freshman? Where's this guy? And we have seen South Carolina continue to tweak their rotations and tweak the depth chart 
honestly, you know, you look at the running back spot and Mario Anderson, he very clearly has moved up in the rotation. Now, you're going to look at the stats from this game and say, you know, he didn't carry the ball very much. Well, South Carolina didn't run the ball very much, period. Uh, I think you can look at that as an example that, hey, he's going to carry the ball more as this season progresses. And so I, I think overall depth, the rotations, that is continuing to kind of play itself out. But we always seem co- see coaches kind of pare down their rotation for a game like this. And it, it is kind of a catch-22 because you go into a game like this and you have a lead, and a lot of that is because the guys that are playing and your guys that you feel best about are playing well. And you're like, well, I don't know if I can afford to take these guys off the field right now, but they're also wearing down as the game progresses. So I think Georgia was a team, even with their injuries, probably that felt pretty good about being able to continue to rotate some guys in, whereas South Carolina goes into this game and they clearly weren't quite ready or didn't think certain young guys were quite ready to continue to play them at such a liberal rotation the way they did, you know, like last week against Furman. We'll continue talking about that depth as we break down what happened on Saturday between Carolina and Georgia as Reaction Monday rolls on on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. You know, all of it. Losing juice obviously wasn't ideal, but you saw some other young receivers come in, and we got to continue to get those guys going. Nick Harbor, Tyshawn Russell, all of our young receivers. Um, you know, offensive line, they <clears throat> protected well and uh, gave us an opportunity also. I mean, not good enough, don't get me wrong, but I think feel like we've made strides from an offensive line standpoint. I mean, I look around everywhere, and I just feel like we're a better team than what we were two weeks ago. And, again, we're not patting ourselves on the back. And, and uh excited about the way the gate the day went today but also know that we've made strides as a team and are going to continue to get better welcome back into the gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs on a reaction monday here on the game tyler west and chris along with you that of course was shane beamer after the game on saturday talking about player development we just talked about the wide receivers there a second ago but one of the bigger stories coming away from saturday was what happened on the offensive line and as we kind of expected going into this game we did see some of those freshmen getting action on the offensive line tree babalata getting the start at left tackle travon ball coming in a little bit later on in the game and as far as pass protection goes tree actually graded out pretty well compared to everybody else and uh maybe that option at left tackle going forward it seems like I mean, I think we go ahead and just call this one like he he's your left tackle. He's won the job. Yes. Yeah, you know, not not that obviously, you know, everybody competes every single week, all that stuff. We know, but No, we're not even But you're ro- you're rolling with this guy, right? And I, I think, you know, are there a couple are there some things he's gonna clean up, or there's some things that are gonna get way better as the year progresses, as his career progresses? Of course, man. But to be in that environment, um, you know, you got you got George's defensive line jumping around, doing all this jump, trying to get you to jump off sides as well. Um, 90,000 strong to hang in there against these guys. I, I thought Tree really played well, all things considered. You know, they'll clean up a couple of the other things. I think PFF 
dinged him a little bit. There are a couple of like little quick throws to the outside where I think he's going to get have to get more and more comfortable blocking guys out in space on those uh, perimeter throws. But, man, talk, talk about just stepping up when your team needed it. And I think that gives you some hope for this offensive line because here's the thing. It, it's one thing when you're struggling at a position and you have kind of no hope. There's like nobody to turn to, and it's just like, all right, these are the guys. Let's let's just see what happens. It's another when you have some options. And I, I think early on, you look at game one, the nine sacks, and a lot of us were sitting there saying, all right, where where can they turn to here? And so I, I think the emergence of Tree, the emergence of Tro, Beamer said after the game, he told Tro, hey, man, we should have played you even more. So I, I think moving forward, now that you're past this Georgia game, again, you got a bunch of games that are winnable, a bunch of games that are losable, you're not going to be a team that rushes for 250 yards a game. No. But can you be a team that rushes for 100 yards a game, 120 yards a game? Can you find can you find a little bit more consistency up front? I think that means Tree's your left tackle, Nick G's your left guard, Vershawn Lee is your center, and then I think Tro is your right guard, and your right tackle is going to be either Ja'Kai Moore or Sidney Fugar, and you're going to roll with the five as much as you can, let them – let them gel together and see if you can't bring this group along against true SEC fronts, but not Georgia Bulldog fronts moving forward. Now, uh, what you mentioned about Beamer saying after the game they should have played Travon Ball more, are you surprised they started Fugar at right tackle as opposed to moving more out there and putting Tree at guard to start with? He did come in towards the end of the first half, but like you said, didn't get you as mean many... at guard? Yeah, that's what I meant, Troy at guard, sorry. Um, uh, didn't get as many snaps as maybe Beamer would have liked to have given him. Are you surprised they went ahead with Fugar at right tackle to start with? I mean, I, I won't say surprised. Again, this is a time of year where you know, we're not at practice at all, so I'm sure they had their reasons. Like It's very easy after the fact to be like, oh, you know, why didn't you do that? But not not surprised. I, I do think, though, now that you've gotten through this game, you know, put maybe they didn't want to put two true freshmen out there right off the bat. And, and South Carolina drove down the field and scored. That was their best drive of the day uh, with that combination, you know, the first drive of the game. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you can fault going with that off the bat, but I, I do think you can Playing these true freshmen, I think they will continue to get better and better pretty quickly. So I, I really like the idea of rolling with them. And obviously, guys, if we're going to mention this, we got to also mention the news coming out yesterday. Marquis Anderson out for the season. Hate it for him. Hate it for that offensive line as well. Hate it for everybody because he was a guy who was most equipped after going through spring ball to maybe help you as a true freshman. And obviously, that not going to be the case now. They're shutting him down, and um, he will be back, obviously, next year. Yeah, he'll he'll play a huge role in this team in the future. And, again, I, I've said this a million times on the show, that this was the one guy out of that 2023 class, a class that's already made an impact immediately, full of some really good players, some future NFL players. That was the guy that Shane Beamer identified as saying, this guy will play for us. So had he not been banged up, and I think there's been a couple different occasions, like some tweaks and things like that, to where, you know, now it just they felt like it made sense long term to go ahead and do this and get him ready for next spring. Even more than than Tree and Tro, we might be talking about Marquis Anderson factoring in on this offensive line, which I think that speaks to the class, right? 
yes, USC has had enough problems on the offensive line that you're willing and and more more willing, I'd say, to get freshmen in there. But at the same time, they have to have some semblance of being ready. And so I think that speaks to the type of recruiting that they're doing on the offensive line where, like, you look at Georgia's O-line, you say, okay, that's that's what you want it to look like, right? Um, it doesn't yet at South Carolina, but it, there's no doubt. You could you could be the most down on South Carolina that you've ever been right now and and still look at it and recognize, okay, that's a pretty good offensive line class. And we see Tree and Tro in there when you factor in Marquis Anderson, former four-star big-time recruit. You got Jatavius Shivers, who's probably a couple years away, but a big kid. Then you look forward to the 2024 class. You got Cam Pringle, you got Blake Franks, and you have – Josiah Thompson in there too, who's now a five star according to on three. Number nine prospect in the country. Not bad. Court, Not court bad. On three. So they're they're actually building as well as they ever have. Yeah. In the I mean, I think it's fair to say in the modern recruiting rankings era, this is the best they've ever recruited on the offensive line. So it, it just takes time though. I think Shivers, a couple of seasons away. Now Marquis, we know, is a season away due to the injury, but Tree and Tro, I think, give it gives South Carolina fans hope to, you know, add to that spot and then continue to provide some more depth as well because you have guys who were starting who would now conceivably be backups. And Beamer did make it a point to mention that as far as Marky Anderson goes, it's not anything long term. Like in ACL, they just thought it'd be the better option to go ahead and address this issue because it is something that has been nagging them up to this point, going all the way back through camp. They feel like going ahead and getting the surgery done, letting him sit out the year, and being ready to go for next year is the best opportunity for him. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, this is one of those things where fans can make the little jokes about, well, you know, how does it go from about to play to being out for the year? Well, you know, injuries are not some just set thing where, you know, on a video game it says, hey, a guy's out for two weeks and he's back in two weeks. <laughs> Everybody progresses differently from injuries. Every injury is different, and they – tried many options, according to Beamer, in terms of fitting him up with different guards and, and stuff like that, braces, et cetera, et cetera, different treatments. It just was not responding the way they wanted it to. So rather than be something that he tried to play through and then you know maybe doesn't play well because of it, is in constant pain, then you're probably looking at surgery at the end of the year anyway. Right. Then you're just delaying the progress. I think it made a lot of sense now to go ahead – have it done, he can go ahead and start progressing from the surgery, moving into the offseason, and be completely full go to start the 2024 season. Well, I think it's significant. You have an example of a guy like Casey Henry who had nagging injuries going through the summer and through camp, goes out there in the first drive against North Carolina, gets hurt. Now he's potentially lost for maybe this season. We'll wait to get a new update on him, hopefully sometime here soon. But you have a recent example of somebody on that end of the spectrum. You Hopefully you don't want to have that same situation with a guy like Marquis. Yeah, and, and such a young guy. He was going to be kind of thrown out there anyway, which I, I think healthy, I, I think he could have handled it. But being a freshman and having to work through an injury while playing for the first time, that that's a lot on a guy, man. So I, I think they probably made the right decision here, even though I'm sure, knowing Marquis, I'm sure he wanted to play. And, and like, like Chris said, I mean, they could have used him. Like he was going to make an impact. You're probably talking about him – potentially starting at this point but 
it is what it is. That is part of the game, and he will he will come back from it very, very strong, I'm sure. We'll hit on some of the injuries that Beamer talked about coming away from Saturday as well as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday coming up here on the game. It's Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. Yeah, he wasn't able to finish. We're going to... You know, let him see a specialist on Tuesday this week, and and uh, should have a better idea then. I don't think what it is 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 necessarily you know season ending. Uh, we feel like it's something that he'll be able to to play with, and uh, we'll know a lot more here on Tuesday. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on a Reaction Monday here on the game. Tyler West and Chris, along with you, that was Coach Beamer giving an update on Juice Wells after the game on Saturday. Of course, Juice. Catching that touchdown on a screen from Spencer Rattler there early on in the first quarter, but going out of the game after that with an aggravation to that foot, as Beamer mentioned, did have some surgery on that uh, prior to the season starting and seems to have re-aggravated it. But again, won't know the full extent of that until Tuesday when he does get to see a specialist. And, you know, this it's been so stop and start with Juice through these first couple of games, kind of been on a pitch count. Again, you're seeing those flashes of what we know he can be, just has not been able to get out there and stay in the field for an entire game just yet. Yeah, I mean, man, I'll echo the same thing I said about Marquee. Like, you you hate it for Juice. You hate it for South Carolina. Very tough situation. I, I thought on that, you know, he had a catch earlier in that first drive as well, was running around. I think his his mind was in a good place too. Like, I, it felt like he was confident in the recovery of the foot. He looked, I mean, Georgia looked like they didn't want to hit him on that play. Like, he, that looked like the Juice we're used to seeing. And... You know, you, you certainly, for, for his sake, just hope this is not something that is going to keep him out for, for the season because he just has been unable to get going because of, uh, you know, coming off of, of injuries. And, you know, Beamer did finally – Beamer said on the broadcast that he had had surgery, which is something we've heard, we've known, but that's never been said yep. until then, which I think tells people – so he, he wasn't playing through an injury, so to speak. He was playing through the recovery, yep. um, which is why we expected him to sort of get better and better as the season progressed. So he did have the prior injury, quote, fixed, if you will. But now the fear, Beamer said, also on the broadcast, the fear is that you know he broke a bone in his foot. So they will he will see a specialist on Tuesday. They will obviously get more details then. But, uh, you know, you just you hope for the best for a guy who has put a ton into this program during his, you know, one-plus seasons in Columbia. And, and again, obviously a guy on the field, as you sort of turn the page to that, that is a massive um, playmaker for South Carolina. Well, we, we are not going to see – we have not seen yet – I don't want to make a definitive statement. We have not seen – the optimal South Carolina offense. And that and that's with the realization that, I mean, you said it earlier, Wes, this isn't going to be – this team is not going to become a powerhouse running team overnight. They need to become serviceable in some form or fashion. They're not there yet. 
But let's just look at the passing game. There have been some good things there, and that is despite not having your optimal receiver lineup at any point. Like, we, yeah, we've seen a Marion Brown and Juice Wells and Xavier Leggett on the field at the same time, but we have not seen the, the healthier version of Juice. Going into the Georgia game, I don't even know that he was 100%, but he was getting closer, right? And I think you saw that. I mean, Juice, I said it earlier, Juice and Marion Brown are your two best open field guys probably on the team, certainly at receiver, and then you've got Xavier Leggett, who's been as dangerous as anyone we've seen at South Carolina this year mm-hmm. with the ball in the air, um, just a big physical specimen. And you finally – Marion Brown wasn't on the field against Georgia, which is going to be a loss, but you finally got the sense of, okay, once they get A.B. back, Juice looks to be back after he takes you know just classic Juice play, take a screen, make a bunch of guys miss, and go score. But now – you're not going to see that at least for a while. And so that's hurtful because you got your quarterback playing really well. You just had Juice coming back, might get A.B. back against Mississippi State, and you're not going to see that now. Yeah, quickly, I did want to mention he, uh, Coach Beamer did go on to say that they expect to get Miriam Brown back this week as well as J.T. Gear, who has yet to play this season, also dealing with a lower body injury. And I, I'm excited. To, I've said it before. I'm excited to see him play. You know, they, they sort of – have eaten away at their depth at that end-edge spot as well. Tyreek Johnson did not play in the game against Georgia. They were having to play some guys that affected their depth elsewhere. You know, T.J. Sanders was lining up on the outside. We saw him kind of go to that that three-down lineman front. We saw a lot in the spring. You know, T.J. Sanders was playing outside. And then Elijah Davis, who has played some in end, some inside as well. He was playing a lot of end on Saturday too. So they've kind of had to get a little bit creative at that spot so um they'll obviously love to get those guys back i thought some of the other receivers filled in well particularly for ab's spot you know luke Doty came in and made some plays eddie lewis made some plays but certainly that dynamic ability that juice brings you on the outside to have opposite of leggett it is something that you're really missing right now by the way i don't know how much time we have but how about real quick lane kiffin's latest <laughs> troll troll job, right? Has to be. How about uh, Ole Miss not being favored in this game? Well, I can see that. I mean, it's still Alabama. Still, though, after what we've seen out of them. It's still Alabama. For, the, for it, those who didn't see, he said, uh, we've been against Kevin, referring to Kevin still, a number of times, worked with him at Bama and against him at Auburn LSU. There seems like there's been a change there, talking about the <laughs> defensive coordinator. Quote, I don't know what happened after the Texas game, but our guys watching the TV copy and schematically in this last game certainly seems like T-Rob's now calling the defense. Always playing mind games is Lane Kiffin. And nobody pokes the bear quite like Lane Kiffin. This is going to be an entertaining matchup this weekend. So now Saban has to get asked about that, right? Oh, of course like that's, he does. That's the re- but here's, here's the thing I don't know. Did they really observe that? And then Kiffin, rather than hold on to it, said, I'm going to do the opposite and just throw it out there he, so Saban has to now talk about he it. He retweeted a, a story quoting him on it. It's just br- His use of social media is brilliant. It really is. Yeah, that's uh, he, he's a special one, that's for sure. The, troll, the trolling is a it's, it's top shelf. Also, guys, we, can't, we don't have time today. This sure. week, I want to do a complete breakdown of Biff, Poggy, Pogies. <laughs> 
press conference at Charlotte. Oh, God. That that thing is that thing is not going to end well. We Phenomenal. Could, we could spend an entire episode on him alone. Yes, he's, that thing uh, is not going to end well. Let he's me just of, say that <laughs> he's one of college football's more interesting characters these days. But uh, we'll have plenty to break down, not only from South Carolina on Saturday, but the rest of college football as the week goes along. Reaction Monday rolls along, though, with myself and Colin Taylor coming up next with today's edition of the Halftime Show. We'll take some of your calls and see how you're feeling coming away from South Carolina's 10-point loss to Georgia on Saturday. We'll be right back uh, tomorrow for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, right here on The Game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.